Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to make a quick correction to the last episode I did, and then I'm going to share something that I find kind of funny. Um, It's a, a coping mechanism that I've used in the past that it has worked. Um, and it helps build creativity and stuff as well. Um, and that's that goes into um, creative writing is really my main topic. But I wanted to make a correction to the last episode. So I talked about the, the nuclear physicist who wrote about UFOs, Stanton Friedman. And I had said something along the lines of he worked with radars or something um, that's not accurate so I wanted to correct it because I found I found some um, notes that I had actually taken about them because I like I said uh, some of the reading I'm doing um, key points in it are things that I'll mention on my history podcast and this is actually one of the points so um, I just wanted to correct it um, so I'm just going to mention what he did work in so Stanton Friedman the nuclear physicist had worked under security on many advanced nuclear and space system development programs for General Electric, Westinghouse, and General Motors. And in particular, um, I think the reason I mentioned radar, why I thought that he had worked like with radar in particular, um, was because he mentions this. So he mentions um, something in particular about radar systems in his book, and it was something that I copied. Uh, it was something that I um, made note of. So he points out, um, you know, writing why he thinks um, an alien life form or extraterrestrial would visit particular places on the globe. And so I'm just going to quote what he said here. And this is um, on page 218 of his book, Top Secret uh, Magic, M-A-J-I-C. He says, there's one reason I believe that would be incumbent on any advanced civilizations, namely that they are concerned with their own security and survival. Thus, they have to pay attention to all the primitive societies in the neighborhood, and especially close attention to those showing signs of venturing beyond ancestral boundaries. Earthlings had been showing signs of accelerating technological growth for some decades prior to World War II. The air was polluted with easily measured products of industrial development from mining and smelting, from large-scale agriculture, from power plants, and from electromagnetic radiation. The pace jumped during the early 1940s, and by the end of the war, it would be perfectly clear to any alien observers that this primitive society, whose major activities seemed to be tribal warfare, would within 100 years, within about 100 years, a short time by cosmic measures, be turning starward. There were three obvious indicators, and this is where he mentions radars, which is why I said it. Uh, Three obvious indicators would be powerful rockets such as the V-2, nuclear weapons, and powerful electromagnetic devices such as those used for advanced radar systems. Combining these three technologies with the will to progress would lead to star travel. If you were an alien, would you wish to have these people, for whom every new frontier seemed to become a new place to battle, move out without 
some advance warning? I doubt it. I don't believe it is a coincidence that the first crash of flying saucers occurred in southeastern New Mexico, the only place on the globe in 1947 where all three of these technologies could be monitored, meaning powerful rockets such as the V-2, nuclear weapons, and powerful electromagnetic devices such as those used for advanced radar systems. The first atomic explosion took place at Trinity site at the White Sands Missile Range. All American firings of captured German V-2 rockets took place at White Sands as well. In addition, our best radar systems are being used there to track the rockets, which often went astray. In other words, I believe that the aliens are here primarily for their own purposes, one of which is to make sure that our brand of friendship is not visited upon other civilizations in the neighborhood. If we can't get our own, if we can't get our act together, they will keep us from leaving. So I think it's a good point, right? Because sometimes you always hear people say, well, how come it's always military sites that spot these spacecraft or blah, blah, blah? Well, one, they have the technology that a normal person just doesn't have with a pair of binoculars or a cell phone. You know, they can see things with, you know, night vision or thermal or whatever it is. They, they just have stronger technology. And also, you know, a military site or a place that shoots off in our, what is it, in our kind of, can't say the word, uh, ballistic missiles. Um, you know, I think we have three or four of those stations or maybe more in the U.S. I know there's one in like Montana, North Dakota, I think Wyoming. Um, but places with those three specific things, radar systems, really strong radar systems, um, a lot of it would all be related to Air, air Force. Um, it would make sense that that's where they're why they're spotted around there, right? Because the this thing that they've been shown on TV was a military base, right? So think of the things that they might have at a military base. Because whoever got that on that type of camera had that type of a camera. It was a camera that was like a thermal. You could see like thermal imaging or whatever, right? But I thought it was kind of neat because this book, I told you guys I was struggling with reading and, you know, the last episode I just did was all about that. Um... And so I started reading and I had, you know, goofed and said that that Stanton Friedman guy I had mentioned, like, worked on radars or whatever. He mentioned radars is what it was. Um, and so I kept thinking of radar systems. And in this book I was reading, The Randall Report, UFOs in the 1990s by Kevin Randall, um, I did start reading it, which is good because I told you the reading really helps build my critical thinking and my focus and it's good to it's kind of like meditation for me it's good for my brain um but one of the things i noticed that he didn't really highlight it here he just mentioned it was that in 1967 in shag harbor i guess this is in canada nova scotia um he mentions like a, a ufo possible sighting around there by some body of water and he just kind of randomly mentions but i thought it was interesting um he says um, I, I think this is a Royal Canadian Air Force, an RCAF radar system nearby where this incident occurred, reported no Canadian or U.S. air operations in the area at the time, nor any unusual radar object. That's kind of neat, right? So that was what I was thinking about, was these radar systems in the sky, this 
nuclear physicist guy makes that point that that's where a crash, you know, that's where an alien would want to go is where these systems are. And this is even mentioning this. It's not even highlighting it, though. It's just saying, oh, yeah, there's a uh, um, RCAF radar station nearby. But no reported Canadian or U.S. air operations in the area at the time, nor any unusual radar object. But it's it's just kind of funny that they um, they mention that, you know, because it was literally that's like the fourth page of this book, and I thought, well, that that's exactly what this guy just said. But this guy isn't even really making it like a, a point. He's just saying it wasn't picked up on a nearby radar system. But I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, the, uh, the thing I wanted to actually talk about for this episode is one thing that really helped me cope and one thing that I noticed a lot of you guys liked hearing about was writing. Um, so I did a podcast, maybe it was a month ago or so, how I I think it was something titled like Writing About Yourself, um, where I, you know, some in a way I have written about myself in the past um, when I did that play. Um, so I wrote a play in 2018 and we produced it on stage and everything. And, um, it was very therapeutic because it was about everything I, I recently have talked about in some of my episodes. Um, but it was about the event and what led to that and basically what led to a, a young person developing complex PTSD. Um, and one of the characters in it was my primary abuser. And I also wanted to point out that I don't normally distinguish, you know, I've never said specifically who the person is, but I want to point out something really might be unusual. And I, I bring this up because I've done some episodes about Munchausen and Munchausen by proxy. And from what I've seen, and I don't know if this is true, I really need to look at it more, but what I've seen and what I've heard is Munchausen and Munchausen by proxy a lot of times is something more that maybe women do. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, from what I was gathering from that profiler, it kind of seemed that way because when someone's engaging in Munchausen by proxy, it's usually a kid or it, I think it could even be like another scenario um, but a lot of times when a psychopath abuses a kid, or I should, I should word this differently. A lot of times um, when a woman is a psychopath, they abuse nursing patients or kids or babies um, a lot of times, not all times. And so a lot of times when you hear Munchausen by proxy, you think of a woman um, and in regards to Munchausen, which, by the way, I never hear like anybody ever talk about Munchausen. Um, but I wanted to point out, and it might be important to point out, my primary abuser, my narcissist, my grizzly bear, sometimes I call them, um, is a man. So it's it's a man with what I believe is Munchausen. And um, so that may may that might change some things in the view of some of the listeners um you know depending on who your abuser is and how they go about it mine was male mine was a guy um and like i've said i i am still in contact 
in contact with this person. And it's only just recently in the last week, like I told you guys, that I, I've come to the high likelihood that this person really is a, a psychopath. Um, and Munchausen, as that criminal profiler pointed out, Munchausen is a behavior of a psychopath. And I had never seen Munchausen that way. And I've thought for a long time that this person has Munchausen. Um, and they physically make themselves unwell. They actually harm their body. And I mean physically. I'm not talking like, you know, they, they eat too much or something or they, you know, they throw up or something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about they, they take a tool and they harm their body to look like there's something wrong with them. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Because you might be thinking, what in the hell are you talking about? How could somebody make themselves look a certain way? Well, they do. And it's they're very clever in what they're doing, um, in my opinion. Again, I'm not a doctor, but it can only be in my opinion because, like I pointed out, nobody on an official level will ever say to me, this person has Munchausen because they would be breaking their oath as a doctor. And also the person with Munchausen will never admit to it. They'll say, no, 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 I am sick, right? So they'll never admit to it and a doctor would never say that. So no one will ever say that. No official will ever say that. Um, there might be people who be like, yeah, oh yeah, I totally think they have Munchausen. People who know them, and know that they're not right, um, know that they're like way more than just sick, you know, it's something else going on, but no, no official level, no one will ever say that, that will never happen. And I was talking about this with somebody last night, um, about the Gypsy Rose thing and how if the, the crime hadn't have happened where her boyfriend ended the life of her mother, this may have never come out. Right. And I said, it's the same thing for like, you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer. So like if Jeff's crimes had never come out, his psychologist would never have called up, let's say his dad and said, Hey, I just thought you might want to know, um, you know, Jeff is a psychopath. We just wanted to make sure the family knew about this. Um, you know, he, he's a psychopath. Um, and they would just have to base that off of his behavior, not knowing that he had actually, ended people's lives right so it would never happen a doctor would never do that a doctor like let's say before his crimes came out and he was just living at home and working his job Jeffrey Dahmer his doctor wouldn't just call up somebody he's dating or a spouse if he were ever get married or like I said his parent or his brother they would never call and say we thought it might be important that you know that your son is a psychopath It'd be the same thing for Munchausen. No one would ever call and say it's important for the family to know that this person has Munchausen and they're harming themselves. That would never happen. It wouldn't happen, right? So it can add a lot to the, the mind F that is complex PTSD. And when you're, when you have an abuser who's doing certain things, a lot of times it's never out what the problem is 
until a big crime occurs and then it's and then it's out right then it's like oh yeah this person was a total psychopath it's like well how come nobody ever announced it before right it's because the crime like the crime hadn't happened so it wasn't official so it just sits there and it lingers um so i kind of wanted to mention that and the the way that i use writing and so I wanted to describe that person really well before I get into my next point. But the reason, the way I use writing um, and the way that I could use it in this scenario is uh, when I wrote my play, the characters were all based on real people. Um, and me in the play, my name was Alex. So that's like my, almost my alter ego is Alex, but Alex was me. Um, and in the play, you see how trauma develops and the narcissist was in the play. And like I said, it's a man with Munchausen. And I was recently thinking of, you know, these scripts, the screenwriting that I'm thinking of doing. And um, it, it would be kind of, it would have to be very delicately written, but I could almost see a comedy being based on a guy who I would probably have him be in his 30s, late 20s to early 30s, and it would be my narcissist, um, but it would be in today's world. So it would be like a guy who's in his late 20s, early 30s, um, retire, um, had been in the military. So it would be, you know, one of the more recent wars. Um, and something from the wars had affected him, his, or I'm sorry, something from the wars he was using, um, something that had not actually happened to him. He was using and saying had happened to him. And that was his MO for his Munchausen. And he's going around playing everybody and, playing the fiddle and but it would be like a a comedy um so it had to be very delicately written but he basically he's a, a psychopath and he's getting his kicks through his munchausen um because now now that i've learned that munchausen is basically behavior of a psychopath um that would make that actually a lot of fun to write um you know having this character who is walking around fooling everybody or thinking he's fooling everybody. There'd be some people who would spot it, but you know, thinking he's fooling everybody and he's a psycho and he's using Munchausen. Um, so I never would have thought of Munchausen or Munchausen by proxy as the tool of the villain, but very much now I can see that I can see it, you know, it's the tool of the villain. It's some. It's a way for them to get things. It's like the. Uh, it's like a con artist, right? It's like someone who's robbing elderly people of their money. That's their tool. Is their con, and they're a villain. Um, you know, it's all. It's all the same thing. But you know, until the crime is exposed, you don't know it. And I would have to say, outside of a con artist or. Munchausen by proxy or even like a serial killer, you know, those are all psychopathic things that depending on the behavior, you get a different result. Um, I'd have to say Munchausen is very different 
from all three of those, even Munchausen by proxy, because Munchausen by proxy, there's a victim. Like, there's another human being who is their victim. With a con artist, there's a victim. There's another human being who's their victim. And with a serial killer, there's another human being who's their victim. Um, right? But with Munchausen, they're victimizing themselves to to play people. And that's very interesting. Um, and so in regards to my play, when I originally wrote it and we produced it, the Munchausen was never mentioned. Um, because that was that was really something more in a way disconnected. Um, but you did see how that narcissist played people and they did use their military status as part of that, um, to get away with things. And so no one would question them. And so that was incorporated in it. And I even still have one of the props from the play and it's a hat and it says the war on it. Um, it's a black hat with white letters that says the war. And I still have that. Uh, so that was, that was a tool for the narcissist to use against people. Um, and, but then Munchausen was never mentioned, but now I could almost see, it would almost be a sitcom, a comedy sitcom about a psychopath who uses Munchausen to play people and get what he wants and how it affects his immediate family and how other service members that he knows um, relate to him and how he plays them for fools. And also um, certain people who rub him the wrong way and how a psychopath responds to that. Um, I could easily write that very easy because I, I witnessed it, right? I saw it. I've seen it for my whole life. Um, but now that I know that uh, Munchausen is psycho psychopathy, I am like, I'm loving it. Like I'm, that's just a whole new world for me. Um Whereas before I saw it as a mental disorder and apparently it's not according to Pat Brown, the criminal profiler. So, um, anyway, I wanted to point that out, but writing it's very therapeutic. So when we did that play and we produced it, um, it was, it was awesome. We produced it in front of, you know, a live audience at a theater, a local theater. And it's something I've also thought of, you know, if I get an agent, just sending it in you know i've been putting it off for a long time thinking of doing different things with it i need to just do something with it because i'm i'm not getting any younger but it is my my baby as i've called it before it's like my blood sweat and tears but now that i know that that is the the behavior of a psychopath maybe i will edit that play a little bit and put that in there um, you know, rather than doing like a show about a character like that, put it into the play and have it be part of like a mini series. So someone can see how someone with Munchausen operates. Um, cause I've seen it, like I've straight up watched it. Um, and it's real and it's scary. It's, it's scary cause they are legit. Like they're not playing around. Um, like in that documentary about Gypsy Rose, I mean, just look at what she did to her kid. They're not, they're not playing around. They're a psychopath, right? So anyway, I just wanted to make that correction to my last episode and share some things about 
you know, how therapeutic writing can be. And I might actually write a poem about Munchausen because we have our poetry group. We meet online the third Wednesday of the month, which is in like a, a week or so or two weeks. I don't know. But maybe I'll do a couple poems about psychopaths and Munchausen. Very sneaky because really it's a con, right? They're frauding people is what is what they're doing with Munchausen. It's a fraud. But anyway, um, I wanted to share that and I hope that, you know, if you guys ever think about writing, you know, just find like a local group to join or just sit down and write it. Like when I wrote my play, I had never written before. I had never been, it was before I ever did poetry and I never studied theater. What I did was I, I went to like Barnes and Noble and I looked at, um, plays so like I would look at those little blue and yellow books that have like little plays in them like Hamlet and stuff and I would read how they did their character descriptions and I would just look at kind of the um the way they laid it out there's a word for it I can't think of what those books are called um but I would just look at you know how you how you organize a script or how you organize a play and I will say with local theater, um, there's way more involved in that than I ever knew when it comes to the timeline of when you have all the actors come in and all that. So, you know, actually producing a play, if you ever write something, it may not be something that you ever want to do. Um, but if we didn't have that director who had done plays before, it would have made no sense whatsoever. But the organization of when the actors have to come in was like way more stuff than I ever, I mean, way more than I ever thought was ever involved in theater because I'm not really like a theater person. But one reason I wrote a play was some of the best movies are based off of plays and novels. Um, if you look at a lot of, I would say more than 50% of movies come from plays and novels. Um, so that's where I got the, the idea for that was to write something that could eventually be on a TV screen or a movie screen. But anyway, um, writing is, is quite therapeutic and I have a whole new interest in, um, creating this, uh, this character. So Anyway, I just wanted to share that. This is the Complex PTSD Guy signing off.